using our own commitment to these principles into not only creating the life that we want for ourselves, but the life that we want for the rest of the planet as well. In the second selection, in the second two tapes, we, have, we also spoke to a group who were at the Chopra Center for Wellbeing, who had come from all over the world uh, to spend one week with Deepak and, uh, and his staff at the Chopra Center. And we had an evening presentation in which uh, we took some of the great poets, their wonderful contributions, going back five and six centuries before the birth of Christ, talking about people like Patanjali and Buddha, and going up through the Middle Ages and talking about the contributions of people like Omar Khayyam and St. Francis and some of the poets of the English poets and the Indian poets such as Tagore and um, Keats and Shelley and, and Yeats and more contemporary figures such as Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King and um, Dorothy Parker and so on. And what we have done is taken the wisdom of the ages a book that I have just published, which is a collection of essays based upon the wisdom of the ages, and some of the work that Deepak has done with his own poetry, in uh, his poetry of Rumi and A Gift of Love, and so many of the fine uh, books that he has put out in this area as well. And we combined this wisdom of the ages uh, by using poetic examples and the examples of some of our greatest teachers and not only in their lives what they had to say to us, but in how they lived their lives themselves. And we presented this material in a way in which we can learn from these great masters on what it is that they not only had to say to us, but how they lived their lives. In the third selection, we were speaking in Minneapolis to a large audience of, uh, of people in which uh, we were dialoguing on how to create the world that we really want for ourselves not just in our own personal lives, but how can we eliminate some of the things such as violence? How can we create more peace within ourselves? And the answers aren't just in being more spiritual and in thinking positive thoughts. And understanding from a quantum perspective, from a scientific perspective, as well as a spiritual perspective, that each and every one of us are pieces of this whole. And as pieces of this whole, as pieces of God, we have within us the capacity to be able to create a peaceful world, to be able to create the kind of world where violence is no longer something that we just accept as a form of entertainment, nor do we accept it as something that we must just live with. That unity and, and having higher vision is something that each and every one of us can do. As Deepak and I dialogued about this before we made the presentation and during the presentation, it was our, our specific desire to have everybody listening say, there is something I can do. It isn't just something I can read about or I can just think about. I can literally make this planet a better place. I can end war. I can end violence. I can end crime. I can create a peaceful, loving world by my own life example and by the energy that I radiate out and not allowing my energy fields to be contaminated by those who don't believe in our oneness. And so what you have here is a complete program by two people who care very much about each other, by two professionals who often find ourselves at differing uh, parts of the planet at the same time, and we speak to each other on a regular basis. Sometimes I'll talk to Deepak from London, and he'll be in, uh, in South America. 
Sometimes we will send messages to each other, both in the field, in ways that uh, are almost amusing to each other. I'll want to talk to him about something, and the phone will ring, and it'll be Deepak, or vice versa. We feel deeply committed to these ideals, and we're both very, very proud to have this new program put on the market in which it combines East and West. We have a man who grew up in, in India and became a medical doctor, and we have myself who grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and became a teacher and a person who writes about these ideas of how to improve the quality of life for people. And we were thrown together on this great stage of, of humanity at this time in our lives. And when we met, in the instant that we met, we had a great reverence for each other. And our work together is culminated in this project. I am certain that you will find much to think about as you listen to these tapes and re-listen to them over and over again. Some of the great insights that Deepak offers here, I have listened to many times already, and each time I marvel at the brilliance and the conciseness and the way that he expresses it. I have great admiration for this man. I'm proud to be presenting, creating the world the way you really want it to be. And I'm certain, after you listen to this, and re-listen that you'll know in your heart that you, as an individual, as someone who was always connected to God, will know that you, too, can create the kind of world that we all want. God bless you. Namaste. Okay, I just want to introduce you to my Uncle Wayne. <laughs> it's always intrigued me that people like Aristotle and Plato and people like uh, Shelley and, and Keats and Yeats and people like Einstein and Pascal and uh, Byron and all of the great poets and thinkers and so on, there's something about the idea that they were breathing the same air that we're breathing. I don't know if you ever consider that. And they, um, they were warmed, their bodies were warmed by the very same sun. And they looked at the same moon and they watched the same stars. And there's a sense of the energy that they sent to us that we still are connected to. And that all of them had great messages to give us. And as I studied all of these people, what I found to be most intriguing is that all of them were really weird. <laughs> Truly. So I feel very much at home. <laughs> when I say that, I mean they were, um, they were people who were uh, not, you know, many of them were executed for their ideas. It seems that our society is one in which we look at our troublemakers and the ones that are alive we give a whole lot of trouble to and the ones that are dead we honor. Uh, and these honored troublemakers, you know, I studied, I've probably read 10,000 poems uh, just looking for the ones that I wanted to write an essay about what these people were saying to us in their poetry or in their philosophy. And people like John Keats, whom we've all read when we were in high school and so on, and wrote volumes of poetry, I don't realize that he died at the age of 25. 
and Shelley only lived to be 29. Some of these people experiences, I wrote about Cicero in Rome, and uh, when they didn't like what he had to say, they not only did they decapitate him, but they put his head on the form of the speakers uh, in the city of Rome, along with his hands. And they, put, and they let them stay there for six months so that people could see, this is how we deal with dissenters. And today we consider Cicero to be one of the greatest thinkers and philosophers uh, who laid down the, the foundation for uh, our very democracy. So that these people who had something very profound to offer us weren't very well received in their day. Two of the people that were most influential in my life were uh, Emerson and Thoreau, who were neighbors in uh, Concord, Massachusetts. Thoreau spent time in prison because he refused to pay taxes to a government that was uh, performing a holocaust back in the 1840s through the Indian Removal Act, where President Jackson signed legislation allowing our soldiers to go in and remove these people who had been here for thousands of years and just assassinate them and kill the children and so on because it was our destiny to do so. And he went to jail protesting this. And Emerson wrote about the necessity of being a nonconformist in his essay on self-reliance. And Thoreau wrote about the necessity of civil disobedience. So that there's something about this spirit. I've often called these people scurvy elephants. For those of you who know my work, I mean, when I was a young boy, I lived in a series of foster homes myself until I was almost 10 in orphanages. And um, I came home from school in the third grade.